0: Like a cork in the ocean over his head. Marking contest over the top. Sheep, it's great Across the ground. Bam, in comes Donnie Wurfle. Got it out to a oh. kick. Kick smothered. Check. Hunter. Who would have the sequel would be just as good as the original. Kicks inside 50. McGovern. McGovern. What a player. To be in perfect, the premiers of 1992, the 1994 premiers, the premiers 2006, the 2018 AFL premiership team, the West Coast Eagles. G'day everyone, welcome to the Big Footy Eagles podcast for another week, and what a week it has been for the West Coast Eagles. We're back, we're in form, and suddenly, apparently, we're the Premiership favourites again. Coming up on the show, we'll dissect that massive victory over Collingwood, we're talking a crazy few days at the Tribunal, and of course, we will preview our upcoming clash with Geelong in the Tim Kelly Derby. I'm your host, HoneyBadger35, and joining me this week is Mr. KK. How are you going?
1: Oh, I'm happy to be here. We talked last week for a statement
0: win, and boy, did we get it. Incredible. An incredible game. Uh, we're, of course, going to dive into it very, very shortly, but just as a statement and sort of the, the fallout afterwards in terms of the media coverage and the general sentiment amongst the fan base, it kind of feels like 2018 again. It's all a little bit real. I've enjoyed it. I hope you've enjoyed it too. It's fair to say. Yeah, the whole game
1: had a bit of a 2018 feel about it. I think- Maybe it's just us in our home kit and Collingwood in their white shorts and Optus even looks a bit like the MCG. Watching the whole game, it just felt like we was watching the 2018 Eagles and it was comfortably our best performance since the grand final that year. Just really, just dominated them in every every facet of the game. And we, we'd done some damage to our percentage early in the year back, back in the hub and weren't sure for when we're going to be able to make that up. And I certainly didn't expect to make that up against against Collingwood to the extent we did, but that was an absolute clinic that we put on. And probably the best performance from any team this season, I would hasten to guess.
0: Yeah, An absolutely incredible performance from the boys on Sunday. It's been a big week in a lot of other areas. Look, as I discussed, we've got tribunal news. We've unfortunately got some injury news to cover as well. A massive game on the horizon. We've got some AFLW news coming up as well. If you'd like to get in contact with the show, you can do so on Twitter, on Big Footy. Uh, You can find us on iTunes and Spotify now as well. Any ratings, reviews, subscriptions, tell them, mate. Anything like that all helps build the show up. And, uh, yeah, look, KK, it was a massive game on Sunday. Let's not waste any more time. Let's dive all the way in. West Coast Eagles, 18 goals, three behinds, 111, defeated Collingwood 6-9-45. KK, you touched on just there that it was uh, almost a 2018 look and feel to the game. Very much so in the sense that Collingwood jumped out to an early lead. They got a couple of goals on the board. A little bit of stress, a little bit of panic. I think at one stage they were up 26-6. to six. When I say stress and panic, of course I mean in the fan base because the boys were as calm as ever. They just kicked into a gear that we haven't seen for genuinely years and put on pretty much the show to end all shows. What a way to spend a Sunday.
1: It was fantastic. Yeah, I'll admit I was pretty nervous in the first quarter the way we were travelling. It looked a lot like a lot of post 2018 performances rather than 2018 but yeah we certainly turned around it really started in in the middle um nat Nui very dominant in the ruck Allen held hit more than held his own when he went in there as well so we didn't lose anything there and midfielders got first hands on the ball collingwood's vaunted defense couldn't really cope with the the volume and the quality of the ball coming in and we've got a, a great group of forwards we talked about Kennedy last week that say um, rumors of his demise are, are greatly exaggerated and I think he showed his value on the weekend against a quality defense did play his spearhead role perfection and our kicking for goal was just uh, off the charts as well it's the kind of thing you just want to bottle it and save it for a really close game rather than waste all those great shots in a blowout but that's being a bit petty to complain about that <laughs>
0: yeah our key forward kicked seven goals straight What a disaster. Yeah, we'll start with Josh Kennedy because, like you said, it has been a talking point over the last few weeks and probably, in fact, the last season. The slow start, he's clearly brushed out the cobwebs and and really up and running now in terms of his on-field performance. The one thing that has been lacking has been the accuracy. We've seen him kick. You know, he had 4-4 the week before in the Derby, for instance. He's had a couple of games with 1-3 and large behinds, not as many goals. Josh Kennedy, he's saving it all for this week, apparently. Seven goals straight. He was kicking them from everywhere. The best snap for a big man in footy I've ever seen. I've never seen a big man snap the ball as consistently as he does. Jailing him from everywhere, KK. Josh Kennedy's back. Now, it's not reasonable to expect this every week, but do we sort of just push it down the road a little bit, that thought that maybe Josh Kennedy isn't our A1 forward just yet?
1: Uh, yeah, I think he still is for the time being. I expect we'll see some games without him later in the year. But you look at the way Alan performs when he goes forward, it doesn't, doesn't feel like we're going to lose that much. And we're set up for a really strong transition through our forward line. And say so a lot of clubs would kill for one of Alan or Kennedy in their forward line. And we're so, so blessed to have both. And then we don't even sort of talk about Darling, who would be a walk-up start in every other team's best twenty-two. So, we're very blessed with our tall forwards, and it looks like it's going to continue for a fair way into the future. Um, but for this season now, absolutely, Kennedy will be will be our spearhead for the rest of the season and into finals.
0: He's now just one goal off. The Coleman pace, which if you had a read the Eagles board three or four weeks ago, would be completely inconceivable uh, to to find that he's you know that that close to a Coleman lead, and now the talk, as it always does, has swung the other way. Now we're all projecting that yep, this is could be another Coleman in the collection. We'll park the Kennedy chat just for a moment. You raised Oscar Allen there. Let's talk about him, and we'll use that as well to transition into the ruck battle. Wasn't much of a battle in the end, truth be told, because. Allen in the middle and, of course, Nat Nui did fantastic work against somebody who is largely considered to be the best Ruckman in the league, if not, you know, one of the top two with Max gone. Well, Nick Nat Nui just reminded the world when he's healthy and that's always, that has only ever been the issue. Nick Nat Nui, when healthy, is as good as any Ruckman in the land. Grundy got an absolute bath on Sunday, KK. He
1: sure did. He had his colours lowered pretty badly and... The times when he wasn't in there and Darcy Cameron was in there was just even more of a joke. Like Nat Nui was literally just hitting the ball wherever he wanted, 360 degrees, and it was we we're getting clearances for fun. It annoys me how sort of little Nat Nui still rated around the league and sometimes um, with our own fan base as well. But just for his impact when he is fit and for the quality of clearances that he produces, it's such an important part of our team. And I think he can do that be more damaging than any other ruckman around the world, around the league, even if it isn't as consistent or as good on the stat lines as someone like Grundy is.
0: Of course, the midfield dynamic would not be complete without discussing the game of Tim Kelly. He wasn't alone. He, of course, had great performances alongside him. Shuey was great. Yo was great. Sheed had his moments. Redden had his moments as well, which was nice to see. But Tim Kelly is officially a West Coast Eagle. He has planted the flag now. That was his statement game, I believe. Just a fantastic output from Tim Kelly. It matches what we paid for him. It matches what we'd hoped to see from him. 29 disposals and a goal. Six inside 50s, six clearances, three rebound 50s. He was everywhere on the weekend. KK, do we need to see that level of performance every week from Tim Kelly? to get our money's worth? Because for me, that's that level of performance that we saw, that's going to be pretty hard to repeat week on week. He was astonishing.
1: Yeah, you're probably asking a bit much to, to be best on ground every week, but he needs to be one of our main contributors for the for the price we pay. I, I think one of the most pleasing things about the midfield on the weekend was that we integrated Sheehy back into the team and we didn't really see any noticeable drop off. Uh, Ainsworth is sort of like the last man in and played out of position was the quiet one, but that that's okay. He's a young player. It was earlier in the season, we didn't have the, the mix wasn't right at all. There was you know, guys is not sort of being able to get the best out of themselves. Whereas on the weekend, Kelly was great, but Shui was great, Gaff was great, Yo, Rendon, Sheet all contributed pretty well as well. So the, certainly the mix was the best it's been by far. One of the things I love about Kelly, he's so he's so clean when the ball's on the ground. Like his ability to to one touch the ball at pace and and get a clean disposal away is pretty special to see. And, uh, yeah, that was his best game. Don't know if we will get it every week, but uh, it, it's good to know that it's, it's there.
0: And the cushioning on some of the kicks. For a guy that plays at such pace and with such physicality as well, the soft touch on the kicks, he can just lay it out in front of a forward He had several on the weekend that just it almost defies belief for a guy charging that hard to be able to strike a ball where he wants it and just have it come so gently to the forward. Such an easy mark. We get a set shot. And, of course, we saw the Eagles kick 14 goals, zero behinds from their set shots on the weekend. So congratulations to Tim Kelly. He's here. He's arrived. That was his big statement game. Push on. Keep doing it in 2020 and beyond. But, yeah, fantastic to see. Moving away, I think, from individual players, let's just talk about the team as a collective. We touched on it earlier. Probably was the best game the Eagles have played since the grand final or since I saw some people mention that uh, that Richmond 2018 game at Optus. It was tied at halftime and then the Eagles went on to win by 40-plus. So we've had some great performances in the past. This was one for the Adam Simpson archive, basically. This was the prototypical Adam Simpson game. Having a look at Collingwood coming in, we discussed their defensive proficiency, of course they had Pendlebury as a very late out and they were missing some players anyway. But Collingwood are a team that have only once in their previous 40 games. So you're looking at, effectively you're looking at two seasons there and only once in that span have they conceded over 100 points and we did it in a shortened quarter. Similarly, Josh Kennedy seven goals. They haven't had a player kick seven goals against them since Jeremy Cameron did it back in 2013. So this is a club I know they have they had some outs but over a long period of time, they've consistently defended at a high level across the board. And KK, just comprehensively, at every level, the Eagles got it done on the weekend. We
1: beat them in a number of ways as well. Uh, the, the the midfield dominance was one thing in getting good, clean ball out of stoppages and, and centre bounces. But we, we switched the ball a lot with a lot more um, poise and speed that we have in the past as well. So we, we carved them up that way. And then we also had a lot of... Uh, Turnovers in dangerous positions as well. I thought the games of like our small forwards were underrated in terms of the pressure they put on the ball. Cameron, Ryan and Cripps around the midfield got us some turnovers in good positions. So we really just beat them in a number of ways and their defence didn't have much of a chance because of the way that we were winning the ball and attacking them from all angles.
0: So we've seen a lot of chat in the media this week on big footy just around the place. You obviously see the footy discussion and a game like this was too good to be ignored the Eagles have rocketed back into the conversation from a flag perspective, from you know the dangerous sides in the comp perspective. A terrible start upon the resumption of the season for the Eagles, but now in the last four weeks, we've really started to click. We're getting the wins on the board, and we're building into still a, a very nice month of home footy coming up, KK. I just want to read out some streaks, I suppose, that we've been going on, some scoring runs. It's a trend that i 've been banging on about now for several weeks, and it 's something we saw in the heyday of two thousand and eighteen was the eagle 's ability to just put unanswered score runs on the board so against sydney thirty eight to zero we went on uh, against Adelaide we went on a twenty two to zero Fremantle we went on a forty one to six run Collingwood we went on a forty nine to zero run at one stage, and I said the game started twenty six to six from that point on one hundred and five to nineteen so The Eagles are very capable of turning it on and having their best footy be enough to win a game. With all of that said, do we deserve this newfound flag favoritism, this newfound, you know, the lording from all corners of the football world? This is obviously a best case of what the Eagles can do, but do you think this is the sort of form that the Eagles are going to be able to keep or is it just everything went right on the day? Maybe it's actually not a sign of, of who we are, at least until we sort of see it week in, week out.
1: Well, it speaks a bit about the the goldfish nature of AFL media as well. That it's going to get even worse now. We've got four rounds in in three weeks. You're going to get favourites going from best team in the country to are they going to make the eight in the space of a couple of days? I can see coming up. I think part of the part of the th- thought about us being flag favourites is you look at what the competition is as well. Like you've got Collingwood aren't travelling that well. Got some injuries. Geelong got a lot of injuries. GWS have been up and down. Richmond have got injuries and they've been a bit up and down. And that's that's your top four from last year. And in their place, um, you have got Brisbane and and, and Port that haven't got too much experience in finals. And a lot is going to come down to where the finals and the grand final are hosted. I, I expect the final series will be in some kind of hub situation where they're all played out of one place. And if the AFL is going to be looking for crowd maximisation, it's probably going to be WA at this point in time. And I think that's probably a big factor of why we're the favourites. And were that situation to change, I could see our rating sort of coming back to the pack a bit more.
0: Now, we've barely touched on the back line. And to be honest, I actually don't really know what, what else there is to say that we haven't discussed over the last few weeks. The first quarter, a little bit shaky, but it was it was the sort of stuff you can't, Often blame the back line for, you know, turnovers in the middle of the field coming straight back the other way. It was 50-meter penalties. Big contested pack marks where you've just got to tip your hat and say, look, maybe our guys could have done better, but that's a good mark. That happens. Jackson Nelson, I do want to single out. Another really nice game from him. And basically, it just speaks to the fact that we've now got a rebounding option in Nelson. It's a, it's a role we've seen Jetta do very well. And we've seen Duggan and Cole as well have nice weeks recently. But that, that lack of Lewis Jetta has been a talking point. I think Jackson Nelson, as the incumbent, just keeps this spot as long as he's playing footy like this. What's, what's your view on that choice, given we know what Jetta's best can do, but, I mean, Nelson's last month, it's been really, really good.
1: Certainly has. He, he's become a lot more confident with the ball in hand and a lot more attacking with his disposal, and I think that comes with the confidence of of having a decent running the team and being used to the players around him as well. So, absolutely, I, I would struggle to, to drop anyone out of our back line at the moment and Jed is one of my favourite players. I sort of thought he was pretty comfortable in our best 22 at the start of the year, but the call was made and you've got to say since it's happened, we haven't looked back and everyone's stepped up and the spots are theirs to lose now. Even with the late change to McGovern, Rotham again showed that when he's called upon, he's he's no slouch and we're not really losing much in the back line with him either. So, yeah, pretty comfortable in, in our depth in defence, and we certainly looked as settled as we have at each point of the season on the weekend.
0: And I think it is important to say, look, Collingwood, we touched on, were the number one disposal team coming in, and in fact they still are, but they are missing some players. With all that said, we did do a really nice job of denying them the footy. We had more touches than they did, uh, and even though the back line perhaps didn't have too much to do, actually, really, to be honest, after quarter time, they did what they had to do nicely. And I think, again, KK, we're seeing the value of our back line in starting our attacks. So the Eagles on the weekend, they scored 67 points from the defensive half, which is the most by any team in 2020. Similarly, 49 points specifically off the half back line, again, the most by any team in 2020. So the defense doing their job as a shutdown, but also doing their job launching our attacks, getting the field kicking going and moving us into attack. So very nice to see, long may it continue. And lastly, before we move away from the game, Another thing that was fantastic to see was the camaraderie and the team spirit getting around Liam Ryan after he kicked his late goal. Obviously, he's had a very tough week for personal reasons with his family, but he did get a late goal. The boys got around him. It was a fantastic show of team spirit, and it's exactly what you want to see as a fan. KK, what did that moment mean to you?
1: It was probably my highlight of the, the match, really, and to say, funny I, I think it was even more than camaraderie. It looked like real genuine love and, and friendship to going far beyond the bounds of sort of a professional teammate kind of relationship. And I think that's fantastic to see. And we, we talked last week about Adam Simpson and what sort of his legacy might be with the Eagles and that culture that's on display there. That's his legacy. And that's not an easy thing to do. And he deserves a lot of credit for for that and the way the the boys have embraced it. Although it was yeah a really great thing to see. Um, the guys have a tough week and, Props to Liam for putting his hand up and and playing. And obviously, he was emotionally um, in a a difficult place. And just just great to see the the boys supporting him through that.
0: Moving on to the news for the week. And we'll start with the AFLW, which has had another update in terms of the preseason, in terms of the season. We're starting to get a feel for what the 2020-2021 AFLW calendar will look like. So we've had some news through today that pre-season and sort of induction dates for the new players into the league, they will start to happen throughout August uh, and then through into November. There's an induction period there. Most importantly, KK, we have a season start date well, not set in stone as such for when it's going to be played on the day, but we know it will be the first week of February in some capacity. A nine-week season, three weeks of finals. Ultimately, it will be very good to get our second campaign of AFLW underway. Looking forward to that one, KK.
1: Yeah, when they say uh, dates may be subject to change, that might be the understatement of the century, I think. And <laughs> yeah. it, it's great to have the plans in place, and I really hope for the girls at our club and, and all the all the clubs that... After such a disappointing end that wasn't really an end to the the last season, they do get a a proper run at it next year and I really, really hope it happens. But so who knows what what the future's going to hold.
0: Back over to the men's side. Away from the first team, we unfortunately saw a very significant injury take place this week. Frankie Watson was announced to have torn or ruptured the ACL uh, in training, just your your standard change of direction, non-contact Those always are more serious when you see that somebody's suffered under a no-contact situation. So ACL for Frankie Watson. Uh, It is at least a 12-month injury based on what they're saying. KK, he's been on the list for a while now. as a Category B rookie uh, some years ago, 2016. Played a couple of games last year. We saw him as a late in for Shannon Hearn in that Melbourne game in Alice Springs. It was awesome to see. He's played at home as well. Two games, as I say. But he's turning 25 in September. We upgraded him from the rookie list last year. He's sort of in a precarious spot career-wise, given that, look, two games through your 25th birthday and now an ACL for Frankie Watson. Devastating news. What do you make of this entire announcement from the club?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty rough situation for him, and I hope, hope he can make it back. I've I've enjoyed watching him the few times he, he has played, and I really feel that in a in a weaker team or a team that didn't have such a settled defence, he would have had a lot more opportunities. And the, the question is is... Is the club going to sort of have that 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 patience with him? Hearn, you would say next season will will be his last. So do we do we keep Watson as that as that replacement? I mean, you always need depth in your squad. And I, I kind of think he's probably shown enough that we will. And I also don't think the club's really gonna to want to delist someone who's um still going through an ACL recovery I think that's not the sort of thing they'd like to do but obviously their professional football club at the end of the day they need to do what's best but I hope to see him see him around and he'll, he'll get his opportunity we've got a lot of durable players in that back line unfortunately but with with Hearn and Jetta getting near the end of their careers you'd say he'd be next man up if he was fit at the moment if one of Shepard or Cole or, or Duggan or Nelson run available and I, I think we'll probably extending for a year, I hope.
0: It is a tough one because you want to see the club do right by the player. Uh, similarly look like you touched on. It's a cutthroat business. They do have to make the correct decision at the end of the day or what they think is the correct decision. But with the likes of Hearn getting towards the end of his career, probably probably next year with the rumours of a contract. But, you know, he'll, he'll be gone in a couple of years. Jetty, you'd say, would be similar. Schofield actually signed a contract alongside Frankie Watson last season, so Schofield might finish up pretty shortly. You're getting into that next generation of backline, led by McGovern, led by Shep, to a degree led by Tom Barass as well. With the Coles, the Duggins, the Nelsons now, Harry Edwards is floating around as a player that a lot of people like. Foley spent some time off the half back line as well. There's some guys there, but I think from a depth point of view, I would hope for the best with Frankie Watson and fingers crossed we can keep him on the list as well. I I think I agree with you on that one. It would be nice to see them stick around. Uh, with Frankie, and best of luck to him throughout his recovery. Horrible situation, but maybe this time next year we'll be looking at it as one of the great redemption stories. Main event time now. Moving on to round nine this Saturday, 6.10pm at the fantastic Optus Stadium. The West Coast Eagles host Geelong. KK, another must-win clash. It seems like the Fifth, sixth, seventh week in a row, we've had a must win. But you look at it, the Eagles play a team ahead of them on the ladder again. We have a chance to cement a top four spot and have it in our hands for the rest of the season if we can do the business against a good but ultimately depleted Geelong side. Let's start by picking the team. Who do you have as your ins for this Saturday?
1: I'm going to assume everyone's fit. So I think McGovern for Rotham is a pretty straightforward swap. Fortunately for Rotherham, he performs every time he gets a game, but he just sort of can't see an obvious uh, person for him to push out of the side. And if Archie's fit, then I think he will come in for Ainsworth. It's, uh, he's better for that role that Ainsworth was asked to play on the weekend. I, I kind of liked Ainsworth's game. Someone's always, in every team of 22, there's always going to be someone who doesn't get that much of the ball. And unfortunately it was him, but I, I kind of like his endeavor and, and what he's, he's done so far, but Archie's the core for that. So, they're, they're pretty two straightforward swaps I wouldn't see any other changes I think in terms of uh, managing minutes or resting plays we'll probably leave that until the the back end of the fixture where I expect we're going to have a much more congested congested runner games uh, we've got to I think of buy after the Geelong games there'll be no reason to to rest anyone now so I think we'll keep changes to a minimum
0: yeah a bit of an awkward Half by, I suppose, in there where most of the comp are playing midweek where the Eagles aren't. So it's, it still follows a pretty traditional week. You know, We play Saturday and then I think we play the following Sunday, even though we've supposedly had a bye in the middle there on a Wednesday or Thursday, let's say. But yeah, not the time to manage minutes. As I said, it, it's a must win for me because if you win this, you jump Geelong on the ladder, you cement a top four spot, and then you can crack on with the season with that double chance in your hands, under your control. So, for me, from a changes perspective, McGovern in for Rotham, that makes itself, provided McGovern's fit and firing ready to go. I'm going to leave it there, and I'm going to circle back to Ainsworth later on. I'm going to say, I agree with you, and I'm normally not a big fan of the whole square peg in the round hole thing. He doesn't fit as a half-forward flanker. He is a midfielder that's been squeezed out. He didn't get a lot of it on the weekend, even though I liked his game fine, and I've liked his output fine enough over the last few weeks. But I've just got a little sneaky suspicion, you know, something, something up my sleeve for later on in the pod. So that's, that's called sizzle in the radio business. Stay tuned. We'll, we'll get to Ainsworth back in a bit. Let's talk about the big story of the week, though, and that is Elliot Yo and, indeed, Tom Hawkins' suspensions their appeals and their eventual freedom to play. We've had a couple of nights at the tribunal, KK. Let's start with Elliot Yo. I would suspect most people have seen the incident. A bit of a push. It went a little bit high. Uh, He was cited for striking... Low impact, they managed to basically get the whole thing thrown out and proved that it wasn't a strike in general. What did you make of that whole situation being a suspension? What did you make of our chances? And, and I guess how relieved are you that Elliot Yo has in fact been found clear to play?
1: Well, thank God common sense prevailed eventually. It was an absolutely ludicrous suspension in the first place. I don't know how they even found the incident to start with and then with the, the quality of vision that they were basing it on and the lack of reaction from any of the umpires around it, or remonstration from Wills for Collingwood. Yeah, I don't know how it ever came into be a suspension in the first place. Having said that, you're really up against it when you go to the AFL Tribunal. You've got the full weight of Michael Gleeson prosecuting and questioning the players' characters and all that sort of hullabaloo, which is an absolute dumb system if you ask me. If you avoid suspension in the first place, then you don't have to answer any of those questions. You don't have to sort of effectively prove your innocence, whereas if you choose to challenge it, then suddenly you're backed into a corner. But, yeah, common sense prevailed and, yeah, happy to see, you know, playing. I mean, I was annoyed enough with the McGovern suspension, not on its own basis, but that I knew similar incidents were going to get brushed under the carpet and there was a classic one with Michael Walters the week after Absolutely. Punched a Gold Coast player, square in the face during a melee, nothing doing. And there's been no similar suspensions to McGovern's up until this week. And then suddenly another West Coast Eagles player gets picked out of it. And it's like, give me a break. I don't know why it's always our guys. And the inconsistency just just annoys me. But we got there
0: in the end. Yeah, I think that's been the main talking point throughout the week is that, to be honest, you shouldn't be suspending Yo for that. It's soft. It's a joke. But if you're suspending Yo for that, I will accept it provided you're spending everybody or 90% of the people or 50% of the people for that. But it's this seemingly one in a hundred, honestly. That, that, something like that happens at every stoppage. There's three or four players at each stoppage that are pushing. So they'd be, you know, genuinely you're talking thousands of incidents. Every now and then it's going to slip up a bit high. A water-free if you have to water-free, whatever it is. But it is the inconsistent application that does it for me. But yes, Yo found free-to-play, didn't even have to pay a fine, anything like that. Tom Hawkins, having a look at his track record, he's a bloke who has uh, been no stranger to the tribunal, been no stranger to the match review officer as well. My understanding is that from Tom Hawkins, that's his 10th sanction since 2016. He's had five B suspensions, five have been fines, uh, and that is the seventh time he's been charged with striking. So Tom Hawkins still, he went through the process, he made his appeal. They adjudged that the elbow thrown on Monday night did not, in fact, hit the Fremantle player in the face or didn't hit them high. It hit them in the body, and therefore it was just a fine. I thought they'd get it thrown out. I thought they'd get it thrown out on insufficient force. I've got to be honest. I don't see how that elbow was anything other than head high, but whatever. The takeaway is Tom Hawkins is playing. Elliot Yo is playing. What did you make of the Hawkins decision, KK? I
1: think they were kind of backed into a corner. After they suspended Yo, they had to suspend Hawkins, which then forced him to go to the tribunal, and I thought his chances of success were a fair bit lower. It was a soft suspension in the first place, but once you get to the tribunal, <clears throat> as you say, you're, you're guilty until proven innocent, and I didn't. I'm staggered they could argue that it wasn't head high. Um, <laughs> I think the uh, was the classic quote from the tribunal. Um, I argued that the neck is not above the shoulder or something yeah. like. Him. Yeah, I'm not sure. Maybe Luke Ryan's put together differently to every other person on the planet. But yeah, good luck to me. I think in in the end, it's a pretty soft suspension. I would have been annoyed if one of our players got suspended for that. Mm. Though, though if, if it was a uh, fifth striking suspension in four years or whatever, I'd be pretty annoyed at the player too.
0: That was the general sentiment, actually. I did have a little bit of a lurk on the Geelong board and most of them were saying, to be honest, a lot of them were just saying, stuff him, give him a week, don't challenge or I'm not not bothered if they challenge. Like he needs to learn his lesson. So yeah, soft suspension, Glad it's been overturned in a way, but obviously as an Eagles fan, always would have been handy to play without Hawkins. Nice to test yourself against the best. So we've got it. Both clubs are as full strength as they could be, given that Geelong are missing a fair few number of people over the last weeks anyway. They're playing without Ablett. They're playing without Reese Stanley. They don't have Darcy Fort. So let's start with that Ruck battle. Their Ruck division is seriously depleted right now. You're looking at Radagalia. You're likely looking at Blitzavs as well, giving him a bit of a chop out. Geelong are the best clearance team in footy, KK, but suddenly they're facing a red-hot Nick Nui, who we've seen give our guys first use over the last month. So what do you make of that ruck battle? How significant is that going to be at the weekend?
1: Yeah, if uh, recent form's anything to go on, they'd be very concerned. I think as we spoke about last week, it's, if you know you're going to get dominated in the ruck, it, it can be a little easier to play against. And I expect them to focus purely on nullifying our ball out of the middle, especially around the, the centre, centre bounces. If they can force repeat stoppages or us to have to clear the ball backwards, that that's probably going to be a win for their books. And then they'll they'll try and beat us in other areas of the ground. But that would, I expect to be their major area of concern, the ruck.
0: And then you look at once the ball clears that ruck contest, it hits the midfield. You're looking at a midfield unit that possibly, probably doesn't have Selwood. There's a chance he could return. His midfield minutes have been a little bit up and down over the last season or so, but No Selwood would be a leg up for the Eagles. You can't deny that. No Ablett, as I touched on. They've got Dangerfield, and we'll get to that matchup very, very shortly. They may bring, for example, Jack Stephen back. Uh, They've got a couple of other big-bodied guys in there. They've got Charlie Constable as well, who's been in the news this week, possibly requesting a trade back to WA. So, look, they do have some options, but it isn't their dream team lineup. You curb Dangerfield's influence, and you go a long way to slowing down that Cats midfield. KK, do you expect we'll go with the traditional Yo on Dangerfield matchup? Or what do we do with Kelly? What's going to happen once the ball hits the deck, presumably off Nick Nat's palm?
1: I I, I like the Yo to to Dangerfield move. I I think Yo often plays his best games when he's got a a clear focus. And we know that he loves being angry and and, and physical. And I think Dangerfield will like that. And as you say, without... Without Selwood in there and or Ablett, uh, Dalhouse sort of spends some time in the midfield as well. So they are they are lacking a bit. And if you can shut down Dangerfield, you're gonna go a long way to, to winning that contest. So I, I expect Gary to go to Dangerfield. The, the other thing that should be in our favour if you look at the game as a whole, is that we had a, a longer break, fine conditions. I think the tackles in our game were about almost half of what the total tackles were in the Geelong's game. They've had a very wet physical slog and a short turnaround. And, yeah, that, that that's the sort of area where that should give us confidence and be able to wear them down as the game goes on.
0: Having a look at what the Cats like to do with the footy, we saw Collingwood last week first in the league in disposals. Well, now this week, KK – We played Geelong, second in the league in disposals. They hold their opponents to the fewest kicks, fewest handballs, fewest disposals, fewest marks. They tackle the fifth best of any team in footy. Basically, they like to deny you the ball, and that is a game plan that doesn't stack up with what the Eagles like to do because we like to go the other way. We want the ball a lot, plenty of marks, plenty of disposals. We want to have the game on our terms at our tempo. So we've seen in the past the Eagles struggle with some of the more contested in-and-under teams. Where we've seen the Eagles have success is when they deny the ball better than the opposition, who sort of try and play them straight up. Do you think that's something that could come into it this week, especially given we've just seen them have success against a Collingwood side that effectively play with a pretty similar game style?
1: Yeah, well, our, I think I said before, our, our switching of the ball I mean, in the back half was much cleaner and, and precise than it has been for a while. And I think we'll, we'll definitely use that as, as a tactic. As you say, we do like to possess the ball. Um, Go back to the previous point, the more we can stretch them and make them run around is going to be our, um, to our benefit as the, as the game wears on. I think in terms of those teams that have given us trouble in the midfield in the past, I think with the former midfields in and having, say, a, a pretty much full complement of, of big-body mids in there, I, I think we can we can stand up to the tough stuff. If they want to go head-to-head with, with Shui, Yo, Kelly... Um, Redden, I know, loves that that sort of stuff. I, I'll back our midfield in, if it, even if it's going to be a battle in the trenches. Uh, but as you say, our best way of winning is going to be to, to clear the ball, spread it out as much as possible, make Geelong run around and give that space for our, our forward line to be able to just work their magic.
0: Now let's circle back to that Ainsworth call that I made before and here's why I would keep him in. Zach Toohey does a lot of work for the Cats – he leads the league in metres gained. He is their best kicker of the footy. He, kicks, he, he gets as many kicks as Andrew Gaff. I'm talking purely kicks rather than disposals. So, you know, he finds the footy. He kicks the footy. That's his preferred option. He rebounds 50 as well as Shannon Hearn. He gives them a lot of drive off the half back. If we can win the midfield contest, that's half of it. The other half is going inside 50, locking it in or, or kicking a goal, being efficient in that department. But if it hits the deck and it starts to rebound... I want somebody sitting on Zach Toohey all day and not letting him run off. It's a role that we've gladly played in the past. We've seen Mark Hutchings do it. I think we've tried Liam Ryan to varying degrees of success in the past as well. So, look, it might be the sort of thing where you you, you take Ainsworth out, you play Archie, and maybe Jared Cameron plays this role. But for me, for a guy like Ainsworth, where I don't care if he doesn't touch the ball, his disposal is not where we win. He's a good runner, he's physical. I don't care if Ainsworth gets five touches, but, you know, you you curb Tui's influence, you bring him down to to 12 touches, to 14 touches. That's the sort of decision I think could win us the game. What do you make of Geelong's attack off the halfback? And, and, you know, perhaps not a preferred option, but KK, do do you give any merit to this random idea I've come up with? Could Ainsworth be that defensive forward, given that, you know, we don't really need him to find the footy with our team as it's currently structured?
1: Yeah, I like the concept. I don't know if it necessarily has to be Ainsworth. I think we should probably, say, focus on that being a strategy. We might not do it from the start, but certainly something to have in the back of our mind. If it's Ainsworth or Archie, I don't know how much difference it would make, though. And the right way to phrase it, kind of suggests that Ainsworth would be better if you were just sticking him on a defensive task for the game than Archie would be. I don't think Archie could help himself trying to win the ball and, and fly for Specky Marks.
0: Yeah, that's yeah. that's sort of so, what I'm driving at. A bit more of a yeah. defensive, sacrificial discipline, you know? Yes, yeah, I'll,
1: I'll,
0: I'll back you up on that one. Uh, but yeah, so looking at the half-back line, they've got a lot of talent there. Harry Taylor's, of course, been there forever. Blitzarves, when he's not in the ruck, we've seen him do a nice job on Kennedy and Darling. Let's swing it to the other side of the field, KK. Tom Hawkins is playing They've got a lot of nice small forward options or, or, or sort of mid-sized forward options. You know, y- your Myers, Gary Rowan. Uh, they had the debutant close play on Monday and, and he kicked a goal 30 seconds into the game, which was nice enough to see, but I hope we don't see it on the weekend. They've got some interesting mid-sized, speedy, you know, kick it to a pack and they'll do the work on the ground options. Similarly, the Eagles, mid-sized defense. We've got the Duggins, the Coles, the Nelsons, Shepherds, these sorts of guys. It's going to be a great battle down there. Is there any matchup in particular you're looking forward to in our defensive fifty?
1: Not particularly. <laughs> I'm hoping the ball doesn't spend too much much time down there, to be honest. I, I liked I thought Barash showed some decent touches on the on the weekend. And most of the times that he's sort of has been beaten, it's tended to be when the ball's come in under not too much pressure. I think if you give him give him time to get to get set, then he's gonna hold up his, his end of the bargain in a one on one contest. So, whoever out of him or McGovern is sat on Hawkins, I think that's probably the one that we need to stop. I'll, I'll back in our, our Smalls. Um, that they might need to be a bit more defensive minded than they have in the past. But I know, particularly for with Cole, Shepard and Nelson, they've got that defensive game and um, and they're not afraid to sort of get down and <clears throat> get down and dirty with some of those Geelong dangerous small forwards.
0: All right, it's time to make the call. It's a big game, as I said. The Eagles have the possibility to go up to third probably fourth by the time the round's played out, but definitely control their fate for the rest of the season. You beat Geelong, and you have full possession of that double chance as long as we want it, as long as we keep it. KK, do you expect that the Eagles will get the job done on Saturday?
1: Absolutely, I'm, I'm really confident going into this game. Yeah, we're, we're at home, we've got a longer break, we, we didn't go through a slog, we've got more healthy people available. We've got dominant ruck, which, as we showed last week, is, is a key to our success. And I, I think we'd, we're going to win enough ball out of the midfield with the, the talent we've got in there that we're going to have to absolutely either butcher it going inside 50 or we're going to have one of those nights where everyone gets the kicking yips and you've just got to back in the form from last week. We're not going to 18 or 17 goals, three or whatever it was every week, but we're going to convert enough of our shots to, to win this game. So, yeah, I think we'll do them pretty comfortably and I hope I haven't put the mockers on on us there. So I will go Eagles by Jack Darling, 27 points. And best on ground for us, it's hard to go past Nick Nat with the poor quality of opposition he's going to be going up against in the form he's in. I
0: love it. I love it. That's I had Nick Nat down. I also had a reserve pick just in case you picked him because I thought he would be a pretty popular choice this week. Eagles are going to win this week. They're going to win by 24 and look, the one thing I don't want is people stressing when we when or if we get off to a slow start. Because KK, like you touched on, the Cats played Monday, we played Sunday, we played in a perfect dry game on our terms. The game was won just after half time, we knew we pretty much had it in the bag. The Cats really had to fight all the way to the end. Wet day, slog, physical, short break, I love it. We're going to wear them down over the course of the day. They're a team that like to deny you the ball, but if we can get it on our terms, we can completely play how we like. They're not a team that's built to concede possession. So the Eagles are going to win. They're going to win by 24 points. Call me romantic. Tim Kelly, best on ground. He is going to star. We saw him fantastic play last week. A couple of goals wouldn't go astray. A couple of key lines of commentary wouldn't go astray as well against the team that didn't want him perhaps. But let's get Tim Kelly fired up. Nick Nat straight down to Tim Kelly every single time. I want 30 and three from Tim Kelly. Not realistic sure, but when it happens, my goodness, am I going to be unbearable on the Geelong board?
1: I think you'll get longer odds on a, a no, sorry shorter odds on a Fremantle Premiership than uh, one of the commentators saying against the team that didn't want him.
0: I'll do it myself. I'll do it my damn self. I'll get a clip, I'll dub it, I'll chuck it up on Twitter at WCABF Pod if you want to consume that great bit of content next week. Tim Kelly, best on ground. All right, that will do it from us this week. KK, as always, it's been a pleasure having you on to chat all things Eagles. A fantastic week for the club. A fantastic podcast, if I do say so myself. Thanks very much for coming on the show.
1: No problems. I'm feeling a bit chipper after I had my best podcast predicting week of all time last week. So yeah keep the form going.
0: We've had a nice little run actually. Miguel nailed it I think for the what was it? The Adelaide game. Perhaps I think he almost nailed it margin best on all of it. Derby we had a nice little little prediction going as well. You nailed the prediction last week. So something we've we've just told you what's going to happen in the game. One of one of those two predictions is going to be correct. So I don't know. Maybe maybe put two separate multis on. One for KK, one for me. All the listeners out there make some money. We've just ruined the weekend for you. Spoiler alert, the Eagles win. All right, that will do it from us this week. Thanks very much for listening. If you'd like to get in contact with the show, you can do so on Bigfooty, on Twitter, iTunes, Spotify, all the usual stuff. We'll talk to you next week. We'll review a fantastic win over Geelong. We'll recap the fact that the Eagles are in the top four and we will look ahead to another continued week of success in the WA Hub for the West Coast Eagles. Until next week, I've been Honeybadger35. For Mr. KK, we'll talk to you soon. Bye now. Bye now.
1: I didn't want to interrupt you, but is um, Charlie Constable from WA? Isn't he?
0: I'm dead set. he sure is. He,
1: I'm sure he. I'm sure he was Vic.
0: I'm dead set. He is. Where is this? Where is this? Uh oh. Uh oh. Uh oh. He's from Vic. Who am I thinking of? I'm thinking of Jordan Clark. Is that who? I, am I thinking of Jordan Clark?
1: There was a clickbait about a Geelong person that people should target, but I didn't click
0: on it. No, I didn't recognise. I'm thinking it of Jordan like, Clark. Sake. I was thinking of Jordan Clark. No, Constable said that he's sick of not getting games because last week was his first game for ages. That was the report. I'm thinking of Jordan Clark. Whatever. Maybe I'll maybe I'll cut that bit out. Maybe I'll leave this bit in. Who knows? We'll see we'll see what happens. <laughs>